Welcome to the Pick Truth Podcast, where we read confessions that people send us or that we find online and rate them based on their level of heat. The truth can range from a bell pepper to a Carolina Reaper. A bell pepper is a very mild truth. A poblano is a truth that can irritate others. A jalapeno is spicy. A Thai chili has me judging you very hard. The Reaper is a truth that you should take to your deathbed. Listen, laugh, and learn what happens. When the only option you have left is to pick truth. Welcome back to another episode of Pick Truth. I'm your host, Dr. Vicki Harris. I'm here with my co-host. Lamont Hearn Jr. And we're here to bring the heat. All right, it's been another week. Uh, We had a a good, fun, uh, hijinks-related topic last week. Uh, So how are things going for you and your family? Um, It's going pretty good. I actually spoke with my wife about the end of our conversation on last week's episode, kind of about how things are different for our children and just the generations after us. Uh, We kind of had an interesting back and forth about it, just trying to, you know, figure out how we're going to go through listening to our kids and just uh, trying to understand from their point of view while also trying to impart any portions of wisdom we may be able to provide as well. So the la- the last conversation we had on the previous episode kind of helped us figure out where we're trying to head as far as us navigating through this whole parenting life in this new world we're in. And speaking of this being all of a new world, our, our thing has been the COVID vaccine. So mm-hmm. All of our, all of the, the crew to the third are between the ages of eight, of five and above and are now eligible to get the COVID vaccination. And it's a personal choice for each family. I saw that our, our current, our school system is setting things up for uh, a vaccine, vaccine drive. And, you know, I, I saw the link and immediately forwarded to you all, signed my children up so that we could be in line first to get this vaccine. Because it's going to be a matter of time before the schools are going to be like, this is required. Mm-hmm. So I'm sending my kids to school. They've already had their flu shots. So while I've, I've heard many, many people have many opinions about this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot the dice and give them the vaccine and, you know, you know, just pray everything will be okay. Yeah. Actually, I'm kind of confident it'll be okay. I'm (laughs) sure it will be okay. Like, yes, it's a vaccine, people. They've been doing vaccines for, you know, decades upon decades. And and stop listening to TikTok. Stop listening to people. A nurse on TikTok said, yeah, I'm a doctor. Don't listen to any of my medical advice. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, <sighs> just ridiculous. But so that's that's our our life. And so we are they're getting their their first inoculation on a on a Saturday. So the plan is I'm going to take all worries from my children on the Sunday. They're going to be treated like princes. I'm going to have it all set up to watch the shows they want. I'll cut cut it on the couch. Like they're going to spend all Sunday not having to do a darn thing. So I'm sure my husband's not going to be for it. So it's going to be all on me, but I'll make sure they get their bathrooms cleaned and their laundry done before Sunday, before they get their shots. (laughs) There you go. And then uh, I will pamper them and just make sure, you know, just keep an eye on them, give them some orange juice and and, and make sure they'll be okay. But so that's what's been going on in our world is, is, you know, 
but we didn't hesitate. I did call my husband first. Eh? I just want to make sure. I said, hey, I signed the kids up for a shot. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. He's like, yeah, they go get that shot. Like, okay, we on the same page. That's not as, you know, I don't want to make assumptions because I'm imagining there've got to be parents on two different wavelengths with this. Like, I want my child to get the vaccination and another one not. Right. And they're 100% both your children. Who wins in those times? How would you handle that situation, Lamont? And I, I think it's safe to say you're pro-vaxxer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my wife and I um, actually agree on on it. So we didn't really have to have the conversation of very um, of opposition. And our children actually are going on, on a weekend as well. Um, I would assume, and I've spoken to I've spoken to some other parents as well through different channels, and some of them have had their hesitancy uh, just based on wanting more information, which you know, to each its own. I, I guess in those instances, you know, even if you remove it from the vaccination portion, just things as simple as public school versus private school, cloth diapers versus you know regular diapers, anything. I, I I wonder, I think it more has to do with the couple themselves and how they more handle conflict resolution. Do they both present their points and then try to come to some conclusions? But with this, I guess with it being the vaccination, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, I wonder if anyone else out in our community has any ideas or, you know, would be willing to discuss their positions on just varying viewpoints, even if they didn't necessarily make it about the vaccination. That's a good point. How do you, how do you, but with where there are some things you can compromise, like you can compromise on the size of your house and you can compromise on a car amenity. You can't compromise on vaccination. Either you are fully vaccinated or you are not. Right. So, and I wonder if there's any truths out there about COVID. I wonder how many people, because this is, but well, we're going into year two. You know, mm-hmm. I wonder how many people have COVID, uh, COVID vaccination or any of those types of truths. If you do, hit us up at picktruthmail at post.com. So, yeah, that's that's what's been going on here. And so uh, I guess we can jump right into to the show. OK, so what's our topic for this week? Vicky? <laughs> this week's topic is difficult to articulate, but it's really about happiness. You know, it's about how one's level of happiness, where it is and where it isn't, and 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 all the good fun stuff. So, uh, I want to jump right into my very poorly written truth that I will be stumbling over that I probably should have rewrote, but I'm going to try to make it as coherent as possible. And it's very short, very short truth. Hmm. So this truth reads: I like working at my new job, but at the end of the day, it makes me want to hurt myself. I'm very confused. Recently, I got a job working at the family business. I'm kind of like a trainee slash secretary. It's very easy work and my boss is very kind and patient. I can tell that he really needs some help around here and I want to help him. I enjoy the things that I'm doing at work. However, after coming home and trying to relax, I get very anxious and upset for no reason. Nothing happens to cause me to feel this way. I'm currently on 75 milligrams of Zolol for my depression and anxiety. I can 100% tell that it helps. But at the end of the day, I can't sleep and I just have terrible suicidal thoughts. 
I've had two jobs in the past that have also affected me this way. I only notice that I feel this way when I'm employed and I don't understand because I want this job and it shouldn't be making me miserable like this. I'd really love some advice. Hmm. Well, so this one, this one's interesting as it, I feel like there's some parts left out that kind of leave me with questions. They did, and I'm, I'm going to ask you if that's okay, just get some clarification. They did mention that they are working at a family business, correct? And they did. And I, I read this a couple of times. I honestly believe that it's not her family's business, but a family run business. Okay. Okay. All right. So, okay. So going from that position of it being a family business, but not her actual family business. And the person actually mentioned that it's whenever they're employed, they feel this way. I would love to actually have someone who is well-versed in in the field to basically um, define that for us to kind of figure out what that specific issue is. Because the fact that having employment within itself is causing this person that kind of issue is very interesting. I don't know how this was a hard one to rate for me. I'll admit, because I, I, I don't know. I think for me, the natural instinct is for this person, I want to say to seek help, but like this person has already said, they are on medication. So clearly there has been some sort of reaching out and some type of work done in regards to this matter. But I don't know about this truth as far as it's, it's not I, I don't want to say it's spicy. I do have concerns for the person, of course, uh, mm-hmm. just because as far as an adult um, employment is kind of part of the process of being an adult for, for most of us is working in some shape, form or fashion. And if that's causing you to feel like you're suicidal, I would hope that there is something that a clinician or psychiatrist or someone could actually help figure out what that may be. So I'm, I'm kind of still uh, ruminating on, on my heat rating. So I thought this was interesting. I thought this was an interesting topic because I feel, and I know this was an extreme and we read confessions and our confessions are extreme, but to make it more relatable, if you got a job that you really, really wanted and you're excited about it and you get there and after about six months, you're now at a lull. Like you're like, okay, mm. this is where I want to be. And I and and that's kind of now she's at an extreme. That's an extreme. <laughs> right. But you know, we we read extreme things. That behavior of something happens, you have an emotional response, a high emotional response, whether it be high or low. Mm-hmm. It is actually called the hedonic treadmill. Or mm-hmm. it used to be called the hedonic adaptation, but more recently it's called the hedonic treadmill. And essentially the hedonic treadmill is a theory behind how people are happy. And this uh, theory has been replicated over and over. So it started back in 1971 with two uh, researchers, I want to say Brickman and Campbell, I can't remember their first name, but it started with them. And essentially they, I want to say in their experiment, they measured the happiness of people who were lottery winners and the happiness of people who had accident and became quadriplegic or paraplegic, using those as their, their base moments. And what they found and what researchers have continuously have found is that no matter how 
happy you get, you go back to your happiness set point. And no matter how low you get, you go back to your happiness set point. And so what happens is that we all start to chase happiness. And and a a microcosm of that would be people who get the new phone every time it comes out. You got to have the new phone. You got to have the new thing because you like it. You want it. But what happens is the youth becomes habitual and then it becomes the same old norm and you don't have that excitement for it anymore. So all of us are on like a hedetic treadmill, so to speak. And so her truth now, I would give it a poblano because she's threatening to hurt herself because, I mean, that that could irritate others. I don't want to give you a side eye and I'm not judging you because I, I get it. You just have like a pendulum swing of mm. this hedonic treadmill. But but ultimately, you know, you get a thing, you work hard for a thing. You get the thing and now you want a new shiny thing. So, mm. so yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my, my thoughts on it. Did you, did you get the circle around yet and, and yeah. create your own? Yeah, yeah. Your own? Yes, I did. Um, I actually appreciate kind of you fleshing it out a little bit more in your explanation because it kind of allowed me to kind of get a little better understanding as like you said, this was an extreme case, but when you, when you compared it to the idea of someone getting the new phone, it was something I could, you know, I could gather a little better. For me, I would say it's a bell pepper far as that comparison for me, because like you said, that is kind of a, a thing you see a lot, whether it's the new phone, the new game system, um, a new car, any of those things. Because, you know, any of those things you kind of mentioned, no matter what, your new phone still does a lot of the things your old phone did. They may upgrade the camera or something like that. The new shoes you may have, you may get a couple of comments from people, but after a while, it's still just something you're walking around. Your car is still getting you to the same job you were working or your new job or whatever it may be. But as far as this person themselves, I still, uh, I appreciate you giving that information. Could you uh, repeat that term for me one more time? Uh, the hedonic treadmill. So it, hedonic it's, treadmill. I think it's supposed to look like you're on a treadmill. You just keep, you know, chasing happiness. Okay, like like it's almost it almost makes me think of uh you know they've done it in like montages and movies and shows where they'll show like a hot dog or a hamburger or something in front of someone yep. and you're just running and running and no matter how fast you go because the actual tread that you're on is always going backwards no matter how fast you're going you're never truly going to get to that thing so I get it it makes it makes a lot of sense there it it, it sounds very human <laughs> I, I guess that's that's the kind of realization I got to by the end of it is it's one of those things that you kind of register that's so many of us if not every single one of us does is there's always something that we're reaching for and even once we get it it kind of either permeates or mutates into something else that we just start wanting to go to next so yeah so after you uh, read your truth, I, I'll tell you some uh, some tips on how to change your happiness set point. I know that sounds so like hippy dippy, but like what you can do so that you kind of stay happy. If that makes any, if you think of happiness as a journey and not a destination, and that there's fluctuations, there's ups and downs to it, and that. Mm. 
and your set point can be where you put it at. It's kind of where you are. I mean, it has a lot of the way that you interpret. Now, this is based on these studies, not my opinion. Right. So, yay, I finally had something to stand on. But uh, essentially, the theory here is that you majority of the way that you react to the world are your own internal actions, thoughts and attitudes. Okay. So that is the big determinant of your happiness with 10% coming to as like an external. So there is an external component to, you know, what happens. So the, you know, what happens to you, but right. that your reaction thoughts and attitudes actually control your level of happiness from a sustained point. So, mm. okay. but, but, but and I don't know it's nerds. So, <laughs> but so Lamont, what is the truth that you have for this week? All right. So the title of my truth is I am a professional, successful woman, and I regret prioritizing success over marriage and relationships. Maybe prioritize isn't the right word because I was never good at dating or socializing. And I was always good at being smart. So how do you prioritize success over being social when being social was never a strong suit to begin with? Anyway, I wish I had tried more. I'm 26, doing a national research, published a book, and now am in the last year of my PhD program. I can never complain because I'm supposed to be grateful that all my hard work paid off. And it's very hard work that took an immense amount of effort. But these days, it feels empty. Most days, I don't talk to anyone, and hugs happen maybe once every other month. No one really cares about me as a person, and I don't know how to convince them to. I can go to bars or parties, but most men are interested in something long-term with a woman who is a doctor. Those that are, or are doctors themselves, are already taken. One of the few times I let my guard down romantically, it ended with assault. But I really can't blame my loneliness on other people because it's not even their fault. I just don't know how to be anything other than a professional. I don't see myself as someone who can be loved or even liked. I feel like I can't connect with anyone because I'm just not good at being social. And I wish I could pause all of my work and actually be social, but I can't. And I hate how finding friends and partners come so easily to everyone but me. Wow. It's an interesting one because, again, it, it, it always goes back to where you sit. So, one, I think this is a, a perfect example of the hedonic treadmill. And believe me, folks, Lamont and I was going to say anything about the hedonic treadmill that this particular individual has worked tirelessly, you know, and and has gotten to the point where she is now looking for the next thing to make her happy because this, what she's doing is, that's just my opinion. It could be a stretch, but I'm gonna go with it. But I would note that she's 26 years old. Like, yo, you just got your brain fully developed. 26 is a child. And, and if you're 26 and listen, I'm not at all disparaging you. I'm saying at 26 years old, you still have a huge runway. You're nowhere close to being an old spinster with a, a doctorate degree. And so, the, and I would also argue that the reason why you don't have the ability to quickly make friends and relationships is because you don't believe you can. You have whatever you believe. If you believe and start to believe in yourself that, you know what, I can do this. I can make friends. I can find a healthy relationship. I can make this work. You won't. But also, it seems like you need to do some core belief work. Look, therapy all the way. Like I understand what it's like to be uber successful from a career and academic standpoint, but to feel like you have no value. 
And it's difficult to tell people, well, other people will, you know, oh, you know, you got to find a value in yourself if you literally don't see value in you. I don't think it's atypical to be in this type of situation where, you know, you feel like you let one thing slide. But I think that it's not too late. I think her truth is a very, very mild, mild truth. It is a bell pepper. It is it is also common to to be at a peak and then have some deficiency someplace else. Um, but do some core belief work, work with a therapist and start to believe that you can make friends and, and be friendly. And I mean, you are valuable. You have value. We all have value. Um, even those that are the worst of us have some value. The light that's in you is the same light that's in all of us. And so you know, if you believe well about others, just believe well about yourself because we're all one big, giant, happily race. So that is a, a bell pepper for me. What about you, Levant? I would definitely say it is a relatable poblana. Not so much directly in my opinion, but as much as that it could irritate others because we do know that there are some people who would view the position and say, you're successful, you have all these other achievements, you know, why are you complaining? Now, as you've already stated, you know, this isn't this isn't abnormal. This isn't something that is just, you know, a one-off person. Like a lot of us, whether you are a, especially if you look back in kind of like high school settings, you know, you can look at someone who may have been a jock in, in high school or who would have been considered the class teacher's pet or something like that, or the nerd, if that's the word you want to use. And they, they seem so different where in reality, one person may succeed at athletics, the other one may excel academically, and they may want to be so much more like the other person. But it's not mm-hmm. really finding the appreciation in your skill level or the things you've achieved. And it's kind of like the uh, grass being greener. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side reference. It's not yes. to say, yeah, it, it's not to say that there's no validity to her wanting to have human interaction because she didn't mention that hugs happen every other month. So it could, it could also be that she, like you said, she's spoken into existence that she has a hard time getting this interaction. So it does create an energy from her for other people. Maybe that does make her seem standoffish. So while she may be interpreting it as people don't want to be around her, she may be giving off those kind of vibes that she doesn't even want that kind of attention and it could be steering people away from her. You know, I, I hope that this person is able to figure it out. Like you said, um, reconstruct um, their, their core beliefs and understand that they do have value and that we are not all the same. And while that there are some people who may seem like they are always the star of the show, um, as far as social gatherings, that those people still have issues on the other side that they're dealing with as well. And just sometimes you kind of have to, you know, like you said, work through that process and give yourself that space to grow and be aware that it may just be that the circles you're trying to travel in may not be for you as well. So, mm, yes, that's a, a good thing to acknowledge as well. I think, um, you said something that made me think about something I mentioned an episode or two back about, and I might have misspoke, so sorry, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Excuse me for being wrong, folks. But in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it starts with your physiological needs, like food, 
water, warmth, and rest. And this theory basically asserts that you can't go to the next level until you have your basic needs met. So you think about how many people don't have food, water, warmth, rest. That's where they are in the starting line. Like that, they're, they're behind the starting line. The next would be your safety and needs. So your security and your safety. So let's say you do have food, water, warmth, and rest. Do you have safety and security? So that means feeling safe in your home, feeling safe in your family, feeling like you are heard and feel like, you know, you're safe. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Think about how many people who don't have food, water, warmth, and rest. And then, so they're they're at the bottom. And then you have people who may have food, water, warmth, and rest, but they don't have safety and security. So they're still trying to get, you know, move ahead. And then once you feel like you have all your, your physical basic needs met, like your physiological needs and your safety needs, then it is your uh, belongingness and needs love. So your intimate relationships and friends. And I feel like that's where she's stuck, that either she is not getting the safety needs that she has felt, um, you know, completely filled. Uh, I'm, and it's, I know of a person who was in a PhD program because you don't make money, people. We're not rich. We out here poor. They died while they were in the middle of their program because they couldn't afford their insulin. Mm. So I've actually heard of that happening before. Just because you're in school doesn't mean you're actually getting all your needs met. So the question goes back to, are you getting all your needs met? And then start working on your intimate relationships and friends. I didn't know how to establish relationships. And I will say that forever. Any of my friends that, you know, know me, I, I struggled. And, and maybe they never understood why, because I never understood why. And I never understood how. In the past, I didn't make friends easy. But when I made you, I, I was extremely loyal. But all of that to say, and, and there's other pieces of, so I'll just say the rest of Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy that way, y'all know. There's esteem and needs. Um, so after belongingness and love with intimate relationships with friends, there's esteem and needs. And that's your prestige and feelings, feelings of accomplishment. And then there's self-actualization that's at the top. So achieving one's full potential, including their creative activities. Like that's the, the hierarchy. But it starts with having your basic needs met, your physiological needs met, and then your self-fulfillment needs met. And all of this, when it gets down to the safety and security, once you're safe and you believe you're safe, and you, you got to go out and find how to work on relationships and develop relationships. Because I'm sure someone cares about you. I'm sure, you know, people say that all the time. If I die tomorrow, no one will care. People will care. People yeah. will care. Yeah, I, I hope she finds balance. And I hope she finds peace. But 26 is young. Mm-hmm. 26, you have an entire, like, girl, be glad you're not married at 20, 21, 22. 20. That is, it's hard. Because you learn to realize that you've had your entire life attached to one person and in your 20s or your teens, the high school sweethearts scare me. And I know they exist and they're beautiful, but you don't have experience and, and you don't even know what you like. And if you haven't been in any relationships, trust me, you need to go figure out what you like before you settle down. And, I, and they don't mean go out hoeing. I ain't say go go be a hoe. I'm not not Merry Christmas. Ho ho ho. But find out what it is that you really like, and that's for everybody. We all want to jump in relationships, but you don't even know what you like. What do you want? 
And not like, oh, I want to be rich. I want to be. No, what do you want? Right. What makes you feel good? How do you want to be treated? What are you willing to do to be treated like that? Because see, that's what you have to do. You have to be decide. You have to decide what you're willing to do to be treated that way. Now, if you want someone to treat you like you're the the, the queen and you, you you know you can't do any wrong, you probably got to treat them that way. It's the rare it's the rare character that will allow you to abuse them, and that's not even a relationship. That's abusive. If you're just an abusive human being, you just tell someone what to do. But find out what you like. Find out what you want. I will keep repeating that over and over again. Be Godly girl, boy. I was like, girl, I know what I wanted. I thought I did. I, and I'm an old, I'm, you know, I got married in my 30s. So I spent my my years in my 26, probably in relationships and lamenting and just, oh God, I wish, I wish I knew what I knew now. <laughs> Whew, girl, it ain't even worth it. Stay single. Don't <laughs> go get you a puppy. <laughs> don't do it don't do it okay sorry I got way off track I, I tend to get off track tend to get off track here hey guys we're starting a new segment called truth in the news and me and Lamont kind of look at a news article and just give our a quick you know quick opinion about it so uh, Lamont hasn't been able to read this article yet, but uh, I'll give him the headline. It is inside the world's most blatant COVID-19 cover-up, secret burials, a dead president. So apparently in Tanzania, they denied the existence of the pandemic for months, which led to probably likely many people dying. The article goes in and talks about how if you were caught wearing a mask, you were considered unpatriotic. So people didn't have masks. They refused to believe that the pandemic existed. They didn't want to shut down their economy. And not only did the president die and their ca- almost all the cabinet members who who didn't want this, they still denied that they had any COVID numbers. So they're not reporting anything to the World Health Organization. Uh, and by the way, there are several countries that if they are reporting, they may not be reporting accurately. But this particular country, you know, it really wasn't cooperating. And so what happened is people started to interview the grave diggers and grave diggers were saying they went from maybe six to seven a a week, I think, to maybe almost 30 a day. But they're wow. still trying to say that they don't have high COVID numbers. And so this is in Tanzania. It was the president's decision. And can you, um, it's funny. Everyone wants to talk about America and everyone not being cooperative and being forced. But this whole government, an entire government had their people pretend like the virus didn't exist and it killed thousands of them, thousands of them. So what are your what are your thoughts? I'm flabbergasted. That's crazy. It, it, like you said, it sounds made up. It, it, it sounds so crazy. Like I'm not I'm not here to tell people, you know, one way or another, whether or not they should believe in wearing masks or not wearing masks. But to completely believe that this thing doesn't exist is crazy. That's just as I, as I would say in other instances we've talked, that's just a bridge too far for me. 
to just completely act like it's not a thing at all is just it's terrifying like you're you're leaving so many at risk it's it's almost like um have you seen that there's an image of a there's a i think it's a a meme where it's a dog and he's sitting at his like coffee table and the whole house is on fire and he just there's like a bubble speech bubble bubble that says everything is fine it reminds me of that it's like there's clearly something here if you completely just dismiss it in totality is just terrifying so yeah that's a that's a I know we're not necessarily doing it how we do our show, but that's that's beyond a reaper. That's crazy. That's it that's is. It is beyond a reaper. And I, I have a quote from one of the articles. It says, uh, "Tanzania's reasons for refusing the COVID nineteen vaccines are bad, baffling." By the way, yeah, they refused the vaccines. Like they didn't even want mm. them. Don't don't bring that here. It says, "I think wow. the government was compelled to take the decision because they had already declared." Tanzania, a COVID-free country. So when they had the opportunity to get the vaccine, even though thousands of people were dying from COVID-19, they denied they didn't want the vaccine because I guess they didn't exist there. They, they had a safe face. And then the, the, the initial president, so there's a new president in place now, they said that he died of uh, heart disease, but everyone believes that he really died of COVID. He was 61. So he's pretty young. He's pretty young right. to be that dumb. Pretty young to be that dumb. But I, I, I give it to you. This uh that was absolutely a a reaper. Um pray for for those folks. And I wonder how many places across the world are pockets of people who don't believe or have decided to uh not do the vaccine and what it means for their people and their their economy. I guess it's 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 too soon to tell. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot to this whole COVID thing, and I feel like we could we could, we could go into a lot of depths with this, but you know, it, this is it's this is a tragic story. There's I don't think there's any other way to go about discussing it. I, you know, it's just sad all around. Well, this has been the truth and the news. And so thank you. I hope you enjoyed our first segment of truth in the news. Uh, tell us what you think. Give us your, your opinion. Don't forget to like and review us. Don't forget to join our Facebook page. And, you know, as always, thank you for continuing to listen. And don't forget, you can message us at picktruthmail at post.com. And please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please know that we are also on YouTube where we upload the videos. We also have a TikTok as well. All right. So catch you next time. Later. We can't pick truth without you. Send us your truths at picktruthmail at post.com to see if you can bring the heat.